is honestly so fun. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. That's what I. It's like when yeah. you start off with everything like already just like so pro. It's like there's nowhere to really grow. So it's kind of like, dude. When I was gonna, so, I announced I was starting this thing like a year ago, mm-hmm. and everyone was like, dude, if you're gonna do it, just go ahead and do it. And I was like, I have nothing. I have like, I have a cell phone that will record my voice, and that's not gonna be the product I put out there. And anyway, right. it took forever to finally get all this stuff. No worries. <clears throat> all right, let's do it. Welcome back to Your Story Matters, the podcast. I'm your host, Austin Williams. You're about to hear an incredible conversation between myself and my friend, Nick Hurst. Nick is an evangelist. He travels all over the place preaching the good word, and he is married to a lady named Chelsea Hurst. They've been married for a few months, but they have a podcast together called Encounter Now, where they tackle deep topics and issues. And uh, at the time of this recording, I believe they have one that has just come out on uh, how to be debt-free, which is awesome because they're in their early 20s. And so a lot of people like to take that for granted or just dismiss people for being young. Um, I am someone who has dealt with this myself, so I can understand um, that premise. However, we don't. I know Nick and Chelsea don't let that stop them from being role models. And so you need to check that out. Throughout this episode, you'll hear us talk about marriage and uh, being debt-free podcast preaching, all sorts of stuff. Nick and I are both preachers, so obviously we could talk about that stuff all day long. So I'm not going to hold you back any further. Make sure you have subscribed to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, and make sure you rate us five stars on iTunes if you haven't already. That really, really helps us out, and we really appreciate it. With all all that said, uh, let's, uh, let's jump into the show. I love this. Bam. <laughs> this is great because you know more, way more about this than I do. <laughs> no, I'm not just, at all. I'm just a preacher. Okay. Um, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the YSM Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Williams. Today, my guest, his name is Nick Hurst. You uh, might follow him on Instagram because like 20,000 people do, and you might be one of them. Don't shake your head. They could, they could be following you. In fact, I know some are following you. Okay. Nick is an evangelist. He's also a podcast host. He is a married man, and uh, I've – what's that? Oh, yeah, you're showing me the ring. I thought you were holding up the number Bam. five. No. Oh, okay. That too. Sorry. So, anyways, that's a little bit about Nick, but you're going to hear a whole lot about Nick throughout the rest of this episode. Nick, how you doing? Dude, I am great. How are you? I'm good. I'm better now. Are you? That you're here. Better now. Yeah. I'm just so honored to be here. Thanks for having me. Dude, of course. I'm glad we got to have lunch. I am too. We hey, connected. we found out, and we just proved – that Moe's is better than Chipotle. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you said that. Yes. Let's Thank just end you. the debate right here, <laughs> right it. now That's on the episode. podcast. The mm. debate is over. The giant is slayed. The giant is slayed. Moe's is better than Chipotle. I am not David. Thank you, Matt Chandler. Come appreciate on. appreciate that. Yes. I'm so glad you got that. I receive reference. it. I'm, yeah, I agree with you, though. Um, and I hate to start the podcast off on such a heavy foot. Man. But we got to do it. way better. So good. So good. So many people are already... Clicking off. off. Yeah. That's fine. We'll just pray fine. for them. There's no flavor. You're right. You said it earlier. Hey, we'll just pray for them. There are no flavors. No flavors. There's no flavors at all. <laughs> so this is Nick. Nick is um, just killing the game right now. How old are you? I am 21 years of age. I've been on this earth. I was established in 1997. Wow. So in, in the great state of Florida. So go Gators. 
Oh, God. Yep. Man, we're really starting off. Man, we're just going for it. Just going for the throat. (laughs) This is not Right here at the start of the podcast. (laughs) This is great. Y'all, this is, uh, I don't know which episode this is at this point at the time of this recording. However, you're deep into season two now. And we got Nick Hurst here. I mean, we're talking about like this season two has just amplified. Hit after hit. I'm telling you. After hit. And then there's me. Just (laughs) unreal. Just. And we hit a grand slam. Ruining it. With Nick. Nick is awesome. So. He's been preaching. I, I found out who Nick was through some mutual friends, and uh, I guess we met on Twitter. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Much like you and Chelsea. Yeah. Met on Twitter um, probably, what, about six months ago? Yeah, I guess Something it like was. that, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, yeah, like you said, my wife and I, we met on Twitter as well about two and a half-ish years ago, uh, November of um, 2016. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yep. We're about to get into a lot of that. Oh, let's go for marriage it. Marriage and all that great stuff. Yes, sir. It's funny. When, uh, so we had a friend that tweeted at the two of us, I think is how I remember it. I mean, that is how I remember it. I just don't know if it's correct. But mm-hmm. someone uh, tweeted at Nick and I, and I was on a plane, and I looked, and I was like, Nick, I've heard this guy, or heard of this guy before, this just handsome fellow. But can't grow a beard. But can't grow so a beard. So it doesn't matter. No, I understand that. Well, that's... See, the problem is you want no, to grow a beard. you don't. You don't understand that. No, Look I'm, at you. I say I understand growing a beard. Oh, yeah. See, I don't. Well, the problem is when you do, it's not just where you want to grow the beard. It okay. grows on your upper cheeks. Oh. It goes down to your neck. Mm-mm. It's a problem, dude. No, Jesus. No. Mm-mm. I prayed for it. I prayed for this. Okay. And now um, I have it. I didn't. I, do, I guess I just don't have that kind of faith. It's one of those things like, don't pray for patience. You right. I mean? Cause yeah. So exactly. I prayed for a beard thinking I wanted it, and now I have it. And Now oh, God blessed you with it. Well, he blessed me with it, but then there's also like residual effects like mm-hmm. you know the upper cheek hairs. Well, well hey, if you're, listening, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, just go ahead and take a moment to silently to yourself pray for Austin <laughs> and all you. of his struggles of I'm really going through a trial. masculinity. <laughs> so. This is a weird season I'm in, and yeah. I just hope that we get through it. Yeah, um, we will. Season two. We're we'll, in season We'll get two. through it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. This is great. We'll season get through three, it I wonder what that's going to be like. Oh, man. That's way down the road. Anyway, yeah. uh, met met him on Twitter, and then we connected there, and then I, I think I went and looked at your Instagram. You'd posted some videos of you preaching, and we both preached at first Woodstock before. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I immediately was like, dude, this this guy is awesome. But the, the plain part's funny because I think I tweeted back at everyone, and then it went through, and then you know how Delta Wi-Fi is. Yes. It's not. Horrible. So... I'm like, I'm like, okay, is any, no one's responding. Okay. And it was like a two hour flight. So for two hours, I thought I said the wrong thing or no one's replying. No to one, me. no one yeah. likes me. I did a really poor job of connecting with anyone. So anyways, and then we, I went to your, uh, your podcast setup, um, in, in your office and. Oh, dude, I thought situation. you said in Europe. I was like, wait, in we, Europe. I was like, we have a podcast set up in Europe. <laughs> so I flew when? to Europe to meet up with Nick, <laughs> who's actually European and, um, yeah. So hey, anyway. it's true. I did the ancestry DNA thing. This is free. Um, it is so cool. Yeah. So so cool. You should do it. Yeah. Like seventy six percent of my lineage is from like England. Really. And Wales and all that stuff. That yeah. makes sense. You're super white. Not yes. like a pale white. Yeah. No, I am. I'm just I, kidding. Yes, I am white. Wales, um, Wales, England, Ireland, Scotland, and Sweden. So that's right up there with me because I'm yeah. I'm Sweden. 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 I'm very Irish. So oh. that's why I'm pale. Irish. 
and my beard's red, but the rest of me, my hair is brown, but my beard's red, all that stuff. Okay. And I love potatoes. And Come so on. all those things correlate into being Irish. <laughs> <laughs> I just got that reference. <laughs> that's, that's my great. problem. Yeah. So. No, that's phenomenal. It's a good problem. Yeah. I like being Irish. History but, class. Mm-hmm. I, Irish, but I was born in Columbus, Georgia. Anyway, um, and none of my family, immediate family is from Ireland. They're all from Carrollton, Georgia. Anyway, hey, it's okay. That's who we are. It's in there somewhere. It's in there, and I love it. Yeah. So that's how Nick and I met, and he's been killing the game. This man preaches all over the place. And but Nick, what I want to do because now I've gotten to know you. We've this is the second time we've met up in person, but we've mm-hmm. talked a lot on social medias and all that. But I want to know about how I want to know about your life. I mean, this is your story matters. So I want you to show these people. By the end of it, we're going to show them why your story matters and why their story matters. But I want to know how your life began. And let's not start with birth because since the dawn of time, that's how it's always gone. And we've had some people. Yes. Oh, yes. I was born. So no, I was born. Yeah. yeah. So tell no. me about your, your, sure. your story. Yeah. So, um, well, kind of have to start somewhere around that range for the beginning of the story. So, so, um, I'll just cut to the grew up part, grew up for the first few years of my life. I mean, very, very young in South Florida in uh, sunrise, Florida. And, uh, that's right there around, uh, Fort Lauderdale. So, um, grew up for the first couple of years of my life in that area. And then we both, or we both, like what? Uh, my family and I, we moved from South Florida up to North Florida. So my parents uh, owned a farm, owned some land up there. My family, um, distant family, all everyone has really been in that area since um, like the early 1800s. So this property and this land and this area has really been connected to my family um, for quite some time, really since kind of like we were talking about since uh, they immigrated from um, Europe. So that's really kind of cool. So I wow. uh, grew up on this farm, did farm work my whole really existence since I, um, or up until I was 19 years old. And then um, kind of in that process, uh, some things really changed for me. So uh, like I said, grew up just normal life, normal kid, normal teenager, all of that sort of stuff. And then uh, when I was 14 years old, I went to a summer camp in uh, Boiling Springs, North Carolina. And that's where I met Jesus, and that's where I gave my life to ministry, and uh, that's what I've been doing since then. So I really started trying to figure out, like, what did God have for, for me? What was my calling? What was really on my life? Because this term was getting thrown around a lot, like calling and hmm. um, purpose. And I was like, man, what, what, what does that mean? Like, I just want to be an airline pilot for, like, Delta or Southwest or something. Oh, wow. And so people start talking about, you know, calling and this big mythical, like, idea that just somehow comes to you. But then I really started reading scripture. I started really getting into the word um, and, and understanding these terms and understanding what this meant, talking with my pastor. And so I began to pray and I prayed for about six months what God would have me do in this in this ministry, so to speak. Um, and before I had prayed and before I had began this pretty extensive journey of prayer uh, and really navigating my faith and seeing where I was to go, I thought I would end up in like music ministry or mm. something. I thought I would play in a band or um, Are you a singer? Or? No, I wasn't a singer. Uh, praise the Lord. <laughs> but I did play drums uh, okay. for quite a few years at that point. I think I had started playing drums when I was about eight years old. Wow. And at this time, I was 14, about to go on 15. We are very similar. Yes. So I played drums, uh, played them for my youth band um, before I was even saved, oddly enough. So that's wow. kind of funny. Um, so I thought that was going to be my route. I thought that's what I was going to do. And then uh, God answered that prayer about six months later. Uh, in January of 2013, 
Um, so I was saved in July of 12, and then uh, God answered this prayer for me in Jul- or excuse me, January of 2013 at Winter Jam in mm. Jacksonville, Florida. Wow. And in this moment, in this humongous arena, in the Veterans Memorial Arena in Jacksonville, I just really felt uh, the Lord whisper to me, and it was almost it was weird because the whole room seemed to get quiet, and I seemed to still watch everybody you know worshiping hands up blah 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 and the room just to me got quiet and i heard this whisper small faint whisper to me um when the speaker got up it said this is where i want you to go and this is what i want you to do and in that moment it just clicked with me it resonated with me that this is this is that answer to the prayer that i've been praying for every single day for this half a year that this is what i'm supposed to do this is where god wants me to go with my life Mm. and so uh, since that day, that's what I've been pursuing. That's what I've been trying to do. I've gone some crazy places and gone some really not crazy places. Um, <laughs> and it's it's been really, really good. Um, got married this year. Yeah. Uh, just a few months ago uh, to my beautiful wife, Chelsea. She's the best. Um, and now we have a little dog. His name's Wally. <laughs> I didn't he's know where a, you were going. Yep. He's and a, now we have a little dog. dog. Yep, yep. Little do dog named thing. Wally. Uh, he's a golden retriever. He's the best dude ever. Um, so we're chasing Jesus and going after um, everything that he has for us. Started a nonprofit. And, uh, and yeah, man, we're, we're doing it. So 21 years old. 21. Yeah. That's awesome. Old as heck. Old as heck. Ancient. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I resonate with so much of your story, of your come up there. Um, it is, I mean, it's, obviously it's a bit different because everyone's a little different. But also, I mean, like I was a drummer for our youth band for years and years. And, really? Yeah, dude. And that's what I wanted to do. Until I realized um, so many other people were just way better than me, and I was not willing to dedicate the time to get better than I was at it because obviously God had a different plan. So mm-hmm. um, that is cool. So you did just get married just this past I year. Did. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I know I, we talked about it earlier. I think last time we hung out, you weren't married yet. No. Um, I know I met Chelsea, and I think y'all were getting ready for the wedding. Is were what we? It was. I think it was like Man, that, so that weekend. That was a minute ago then. Yeah. No, yeah, I think what happened, I came up on like a Thursday and y'all were getting something married like that, that yeah. Saturday or something. Oh, wow. So that was like, yeah. Like it was about to happen. Oh, wow. Okay. I yeah. didn't know it was that I close. caught you at the tail end of mm. not married Nick. Well, now I'm now I'm married Nick. You're I'm the best man. ever. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm in my greatest state yet. So Greatest state greatest yet? Greatest state oh yet, Oh, my man. gosh. Something is... about having a wife. You can resonate with this. Something yeah. about having a wife will just like make you different isn't it funny how this like makes you different i'm telling you it's it's the weirdest thing yeah. i'm not even trying to be like romantical here like i'm i'm being very honest like i was a whole different austin mm-hmm. like things that um i don't know something practical like when uh like i don't like dishes to be in the sink anymore. oh come on and preach okay like but when i was living in an apartment with just my brother that's where the dishes lived. You know what I'm saying? Like was what I'm saying is before Anna, that was where the dishes went. And now it's like, if I see dishes in a sink, I'm like, why don't I just put it in the dishwasher? It's like that vine. Like I am confusion. You know what I'm talking (laughs) about? Yeah. It's funny too. Cause what I know is that Anna's listening to this and she's thinking right now, but you still put dishes in the sink. So I'm not perfect. So is Anna a savage? Anna, Yeah. Yeah. She's in, she intimidates me, but I love her so much. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think every husband should say that. Well, like, even yeah. if they don't, like you should still say that. Yeah, like your wife intimidates you. Because at the end of the My day, wife intimidates me. Other than God, who knows you more than 
than you. Hey, but someone told me this last night, and it's super scary. We may get into this conversation. We may not, but um, it's a super, super weird thing. Someone told me last night, and then they showed me an article from a very reputable source. Um, I'm not going to say the source because okay. then you could get into oh, all Lord. kinds of yeah, 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 politics, yeah. so we're not doing that. But they said Facebook knows you better than your spouse based off 20 clicks. What? Is that not the weirdest thing ever? That scares me. Yeah. They have something like over a million data points that they use to like survey individuals. Like even the time of day that you click a button on Facebook like indicates certain things about like your behavioral patterns. What? Is that not the scariest thing in the world? It really freaks me yeah, out. Yeah, same. Zuckerberg, what are you doing? Yeah. Zucks is like the ultimate spy. Oh my gosh, so, dude, yeah. And that uh, the CIA has contracts with Facebook. What? Yeah. So this is from this source? Yes. Man. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm not surprised. So kinda, yeah. So I, I don't know. Just kind of weird. But the it is weird. The government's watching. Dude, me. I'm telling you, like, <laughs> I know, I mean, this is like a, I say age old conversation, but it's really only three years old, but it just, it's been had so much, but the whole ad thing, mm-hmm. like, um, I oh, was, I'm telling mm-hmm, you, dude, 100%. I was telling Anna, speaking about my beard, like I, I was telling her I needed a new razor. I've had the same electric razor for probably two or three years and it got to the point where it now just hurts. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. So I, I threw it away. I got so mad. I was speaking at some camp and I was trying to trim my beard. It hurt my face, like pulled a hair out and mm-hmm. I got mad through the trash. Anyway, yeah. So uh, I was telling with my mouth, with my words, my human mouth, I was saying, I need to get a new razor. I was telling her that. And then you open I, your phone. Dude, on Facebook, sure there is an like ad. Ads. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Like all these so, razor ads. So one day I did like a purposeful, um, like, I don't know, study, case study, I guess mm-hmm. you could say, talking about something that I had absolutely no interest in because I knew that. So this was my like preconceived hypothesis when everyone started talking about that. Like anytime I say something, I get ads. I figured that if you're talking about it, you're probably Googling about it. Right. And you're probably just not remembering. Right. However, I did some off the wall, just, I don't, I'm talking about like drywall or something, just something weird um, that I had no interest in. And I, and I made sure that I did not put it in any search engine. I didn't type the word in my phone and text messages, mm-hmm. nothing, none of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure enough, that night, I had like Duroc, which is a brand. <laughs> See? Like giving me Mm-mm. ads about Mm-mm. drywall. So it's, I'm just saying. Something's going on. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah, yeah. see, that kind of stuff freaks kinda me out. Kind of scary. There's now a part of me. Now that, we're both going to have drywall ads. Yeah, exactly. Here. Thanks a lot. <laughs> There's a part of me that's like embrace 2019 and just think that stuff's cool. Because I know that's got to be what they're thinking. I, now you can go into the whole conspiracy theory behind it. Like, no, they're listening to you so that they can put you in area 51 uh, okay. you know or something um yeah no <laughs> but i think i think they genu- genuinely were thinking like oh this will be cool you know like or or they were thinking this will have them you know we'll get those clicks and that ad revenue which is more than likely what it is because money drives everything but it is interesting and terrifying that you can just talk about something and then it become your reality on social media right i mean it really weirdest thing ever freaks me out yes and uh I don't know. I don't want to stay on this too long, but I would say just like be careful. Yeah. I, so people used to say like be careful in things you talk about like around your phone, and I was just like that's a bunch of you know mamma jamma. But um, there's like real reports of like agencies showing up to people's houses simply because they're having a conversation in their house, yeah. and keywords get picked up in those conversations and wow. put together, and so it's like serious enough for an agency to visit a home. That's kind of <laughs> I, I, so. Take that however you want to, but 
It's kind of strange to me. So Facebook so knows you better than your spouse based off 20 clicks. Ah, man. Well, y'all digest that. Yep. That's really freaking me Have fun me on out. that one. Yeah, y'all hold on. So, okay, obviously back to marriage. So I, you know, I've been married, it'll be four years in November. Congrats. And um, you're definitely right in that, which is great that you noticed this within, how long have I been married? Five months? Uh, about four. Four or five yeah, months. Four at the end of this month. So I, I didn't realize it until maybe a year in so it's cool that you're realizing it now i just thought i was always going to be who i am because I, I i like my life and i just thought man i'm just adding a human to my life but really you shape yourself you really kind of become each other in in a weird sense like there is less of who anna was and now she i mean she's still who she is but she's a little more like me and vice right. versa yeah so there's a lot of there's a lot of anna and me now as well but just because we're together all the mm-hmm. time you pick up know? convenient habits off of each other's personalities yeah. i mean you just do so like things that are efficient about me chelsea may pick up just because it makes her life easier and, and vice versa so i think human beings are always looking for convenience mm-hmm. no matter what even if it's efficient or not if it's convenient Absolutely. i want to take that road um, which may not always be the best option, but nonetheless, we do it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a big reason of why like you hear this whole talk and chatter about spouses, like almost becoming each other. But at the same time, it's kind of cool because the Bible defines a, a man and wife as or a husband and wife as one flesh. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you really are becoming like, yeah, like it's kind freaky. of the same human. Yeah. So it's, it's weird. I remember before Chelsea and I got married and we were like in the same house, you know, all the time, pretty much. Um, I was much more like brash and bold and just like I'd say anything uh, for any reason. And so now I'm to the point where I'm starting to pick up parts of her personality. And she's a very peacemaker type, uh, very gentle, very calm, very nurturing by nature. And uh, so I'm picking up a little bit more of that to be a bit more empathetic to others Mm -hmm. uh, feelings and their personalities and their views and why they view certain things a certain way. Yeah. Um, Whereas before I'd be like, that's stupid and that's wrong. And I don't care what you think. So. Uh, but I've figured out really fast that that doesn't help anybody and that's not beneficial to anyone. So have you found yourself in the earlier parts of your marriage now? I mean, still kind of an, an early, very marriage. early. Yes. Have you found yourself like how often are y'all not together? Um, how often are we not together? Hmm. I would say like, are you talking about like hours in a day? Sure. Or, yeah. I'd say that we probably aren't together. Probably a few hours a day, probably like four, five, six hours a day at most. Yeah. Normally. Yeah. Because a lot of the work that we do, um, we like we both do together. So uh, but at the same time, we know the value of like having your own space, having your own time to think and reflect and and just kind of have your own headspace. It's super important. Uh, But at the same time, you don't want to be gone like too long because you're still in such a formative time of your marriage to where you don't want like your you know, your availability to be scarce. Yeah. So um, we're making a priority of that too. And I I was given wisdom uh, from a friend of uh, both of us that it's probably a good idea to stay off the road some in the first year Mm -hmm. of marriage, uh, just so you can develop those habits, build that, build the routines. Yeah. um, Really get to know one another and and the most intimate part of your um, life, which is your home and just how you operate. So, so yeah, we're, we're just trying to be healthy and do things a smart way and not get into uh, rushing things too fast. And, and so, yeah, it's been, it's been good. It's been hard. Sure. It's been pretty difficult. Um, certain days more than others, but 
and I'm sure you can resonate with that. But man, I've heard like the first year is pretty rough and, and we're experiencing some of that. Yeah. Um, but it's good. It's forming us. It's making us. And, you know, pushing two people together into the same home who are both sinners is no easy process, especially ones who have yeah. differing personalities. That's no easy thing to do at all. So uh, we're, we're experiencing some of that friction and some of that like, you know, rubbing the wrong way at times, but, uh, but it's good. And, and we love each other both dearly and, um, and we're just excited, man. We're excited to see how God's going to keep doing his thing in us and we're going to keep serving him. And so I just can't wait to see what all's ahead. That's awesome. I, I like how real you are about it because so many people we found along the way, they're like really deep things that like kind of the logistics of a marriage that we didn't know about. Because a lot of it now, a lot of the people you ask have been married for however long, and so kind of some of that gets lost after time. You know, like they've had kids, they've bought houses, they've moved. You know what I right. mean? Like so, a lot of that that the memory of those that crucial yeah. twelve months is kind of gone. But I, you know, for us, I know because I came in with the the mentality of you know I I kind of am who I love to be alone. I just do. I like I like my alone time, and Anna, like honestly doesn't like she now she likes alone time but she also like she would rather just be with me which is fine and i love being with her but there was it was funny too she was working uh at at the church that we've i've been working at here at first baptist Villarica, and uh for like a little season there and so when we from the moment we said i do to the honeymoon to when we got home there was about a one month one month and a half where we weren't not together Right. You know what I mean? Yes. And we were like the same way. Yeah. 100%. So, I mean, yeah. I was like. So, we were we were everywhere together all the time. Yeah. Yes. For like okay. a month straight. So, super same. Very similar. Yeah. So, you can resonate. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. It was super weird. I remember yeah. we, we had finally gotten to a point. I had nothing going on that day. I remember we were sitting in the living room at our first house. And we were, I think Netflix was on or something just in the background. We were looking at our phones. And I was like, oh, I kind of want to go down to the basement. And I kind of like stood up and I was like, I'm going to go downstairs. And she was like, okay. And she didn't make it a big deal at all, but I, I, for some reason, find a way to do that. But I was like, all <laughs> right. And I walked downstairs, and I was like, this is the first time we've been in the same building but not in the same room since we said I do. You know what I mean? Good for you. So, and, yeah, wow. thanks. Big moment. I honor your me. faith. <laughs> we, and we made it through. We're still married. Wow. So, Unbelievable. Uh, we've, I've had people ask me, like, uh, hey, when, like, when's a good time to get away from your wife? Ooh, and I was like, well, I don't ever think about that's that. That's a bad question. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. It's not about getting away from your wife. It's just knowing that you are two different people. Sure. But are also becoming one at the same time. So yes. there are logistics to marriage that I think a lot of people find out the hard way. Mm-hmm. And I think Anna and I being best friends, because she is legitimately like my best, my best friend um, who I'm in love with. Uh, I hope so. I mean, obviously, but like it, it when that is true, mm-hmm. it, you find it easier to just do life. Now it's hard. I mean, there's, there's things that come up that like, I'm sure you're experiencing, but like in, in the, when you get into the depths of marriage, things get tough. Things you didn't realize were coming. You were talking about like debt. You got uh, house payments, you know, like, are we getting a dog? Are we getting two dogs? You know what Dude, I mean? Like totally do it. There's a lot Best going on thing ever get a dog. Dude, get one. That's right, I can I can send you to the place where we got ours too. It was a where'd you get your dog? Oh, I can't say I can't. You're not allowed to. No, I yes I can. Oh, okay. Love Bridge Goldens, Calhoun, Georgia. Oh wow, dude! Shout out ever get okay. one. Wow. Phenomenal. 
Yes, very reasonably priced as well. You said it earlier. What 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 kind of dog is your dog? Golden Retriever. Golden Pure Retriever. Purebred baby. What? It's the best. Purebred baby. It's the best. We got we got a um he's like a I think he's a pit lab, but they were telling me he's from a rescue and we were they So were like, he's a lit? Ooh, I could, I've been calling him plib, so <laughs> I think lit is better. Yeah, it sounds way better than <laughs> yeah. than plib he's or a plab. Lit, he's a lit bull. Yeah, he's a plab. Um, plab. His name's Miko, and they were like, he, he's probably going to be about seventy five pounds, and I was like, Jeez. that's perfect. He's thirty pounds and he's four years old, so he he stopped growing. So you got juke. Yeah, he's like a reverse Clifford. So, like, dude, Wally is six months uh, today. Actually, oh, today's happy a birthday. six month birthday. Happy yeah. birthday, Wally. Um, and he is fifty two pounds. 52 pounds six, six months, months old yep he's supposed to be 90 mm. projected weight's 90 and i believe every bit of it as much as he eats Ugh. so yeah so man that's that's a little bit of us and that's kind of how like these early stages and these early moments of marriage have been so far like anyone who says when they first get married like or especially a few months after they get married maybe not when you first get married because you can say that and get away with it mm-hmm. but after a few months of being married after a couple years of being married um if if you say like how's married life or if someone asks you how's married life and you say great you're a liar oh you're a liar because it's i mean it's beautiful but it's beautifully messy yeah it's it's a hard process to Mm -hmm. to go through Uh, and that's when that's why i think paul said in his letters and some of his letters um hey maybe don't get married Mm. um because it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of energy to learn how to navigate the uh, the everyday and how to navigate certain conversations and how to navigate um, certain situations that you'll both go through together. But man, I think it grows you so much as a human being yeah. uh, to just learn how to go through that with another person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we've experienced. So really that's beautiful. great. I, yeah. And I'm when, super encouraged by uh, your story with Anna. Like just how like knowing I'm not alone in some of those things, how, you know, you said um, in those first few years, it, it can be a little tough. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And we're still at the beginning helpful. phases of this, too. I mean, when I tell yeah. people that I've been married for a long time, we've we're only been married three and a half years. They're like, oh, y'all are just young pups. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. But um, imagine what they tell me. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I can't imagine. <laughs> Y'all are babies. Y'all are babies. Y'all are yeah. only 21. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't I can't imagine. But, yeah, it is fun. I, I, I will say, like, there are times um, that I've been stretched, and, and especially, so, like, Anna loves to go and do stuff, mm-hmm. like, all the time. And I, I do, too, but a lot of what I do is, like, career-driven. So, like, when I'm, like, I might go somewhere and speak somewhere or whatever or network somewhere. So, I go and do a lot of stuff. It just happens to be also part of my job and then all i want to do is just like hide in the house you know what i mean like it's my sanctuary so are you an introvert no i'm i am hmm. full-on extroverted and i'm not gonna be one of those guys that says i'm an extroverted introvert yes i'm an extrovert um but you just recharge i alone. recharge alone and at my house or with anna at my house and and like i'm happy i'm just as happy sitting on the couch with her for four hours as i would be watching a movie at the theater in the dark, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, like I, I just, I have to recharge. But so w- when we got married, it was tough cause she just, she wanted to go and do. And I was like, I don't know, you know, and so is she house. an extrovert as well? No, she's an introvert. That's what's wow. interesting. That's a very like, it's, I mean, if that's, if that's a hundred percent true and accurate, that's a very like 
I don't know. I guess I think it has a lot to dynamic. do with our our careers. Maybe I don't know, but I, I spend all day being extroverted. Okay, and then I I can't be extroverted all day. Right, I just can't. Yeah, that's, and she spends yeah, all day true. being introverted, but she also she's a teacher, so she's around people all day. But then she just wants to go and have fun. She loves experiences. Okay, she loves going to Atlanta. I mean, she loves to do stuff all the time. That makes a bit more sense. So anyway, we we do love, but it has stretched me now. I like. I feel like I haven't done anything if I just go home. Like I love to go and do stuff now more than I ever did. That's awesome. And so, yeah, I see what you're saying though. And I'm glad you said earlier, like uh, it it changes really who you are. It does. So you have to be prepared for that. If you think you're just going to be who you are and never change, it will not be a successful marriage. You, you should have, I would say you should have in your mind that you're going to change. Yes. You are just going to. Don't come in with walls up. No, not at all. Um, But there is nothing that can prepare you necessarily for that process um the only thing that you can do to prepare is just know that it's going to happen yeah and i think that's probably the best thing that you can do and here i am coming at everyone with the wisdom of three and a half years of marriage but i can just tell you what's worked for us for the last three and a half years and we're like you know it's funny too the other thing we joke about is a lot of people say the honeymoon phase lasts about one to two years um and uh we were told that all the time. Like, yeah, I give it one to two years, but after that, you're going to want to kill each other. But we're three and a half years in now. Almost, We're approaching four years, and I, I don't think we've ever been more in love. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to sound romantic when yeah. I say that. It just I hope the honeymoon phase lasts 85 years. Yeah, come I on. It, I hope it lasts until I'm dead, man. Yeah, it lasts as long as you want it to last. This whole ideology of I'm more grown up than you because I'm not in this romanticized love affair with my spouse is just the stupidest thing ever yeah and i'm four months into marriage and i'm totally comfortable saying that because um to to think that like oh you still love your wife and you're still so googly-eyed about her yeah that's so immature i think that's the stupidest thing ever yeah i want to be googly-eyed about my wife when i'm 101 forever even if i'm I'm talking about mad is i'll get out at her for whatever or vice versa I'm still going to love her to death no matter yes. what. Yeah. And so, I, don't know. I mean, I, I get that. What do whole, we know? We're young. I, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, <laughs> I understand the whole side of, you know, kids and financial burden and debt and responsibility yeah. and job and career and promotion and bills. And like, I, I 100% get that. Um, but I just know that God has called us in marriage to a covenant with our significant other. Uh, with our spouse and that's nothing to be taken lightly and so um god is my rock upon which i stand and then my wife is my helper my wife is my um partner she is my uh she is by my side she's not under me she's not over me but she is by my side yeah and we stand on that rock together appreciate and we go through life with one another um and so nick was an evangelist (laughs) but but this whole I just cannot get on board with this whole ideology of we're going to let circumstances or things or items or situations rule over our marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I just don't agree with it. Absolutely. And I'm 100% comfortable with saying that on air to whoever may be listening, whether you're an 84-year-old pastor or a 13-year-old girl in the eighth grade. I mean, that's just the truth. Yeah. So, Man, I love that. Let's yeah. switch gears. Do it. Now, we're still talking about marriage, though. Okay. But I want to talk about you and Chelsea, how y'all met. And all that stuff. I've heard the story myself, but I don't know if anyone on here has heard it. You can hear it on the Encounter Now podcast. Yes, you can. There's a plug. Ooh. Um, but tell me how all that happened. Sure. So I'll, I'll give you the whole story just because we do have the time for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Chelsea and I met. I think, I think I sent her a DM for the first time on November 4th of 2016. And uh, 
I just said something along the lines of, hey, I love your YouTube channel. You know, keep doing everything that you're doing for Jesus. And uh, that was the end of it. I thought that would be the complete end of it altogether. Um, but sure enough, I got a message back uh, saying like, hey, thanks so much, blah, blah, blah. And then we just started talking a little bit more over DMs on Twitter, eventually exchanged phone numbers, um, started talking through there, um, started calling each other on the phone more regularly. And then we came to understand that we were both going to Passion Conference, um, which is Passion City Churches and Louis Giglio's conference here in the great city of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and so we both showed up at that. I am from Florida, and then Chelsea is from uh, the outskirts of St. Louis on the Illinois side of the river. So she had a bit further um, journey than I did. So she came with her church. I came with a friend. And uh, it was there at uh, Grindhouse Killer Burgers in Midtown, mm. Atlanta, that we first like met in person for the first time. I remember she like squealed like a little girl, like, hey, or hi. <laughs> um, and then she came up and gave me a hug and all that good stuff. Sat down, had lunch, and just got to know each other. Um, so the conference was great. That whole weekend was phenomenal. Um, and then we both went our separate ways, continued to talk. Um, Chelsea went home and like raved to her parents about how amazing I was. At I, least that's what I like to believe. I did the same thing after you and I met. I told my parents oh, how man, dude, great you are. Yeah, that I, that blesses me. Super weird. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, but uh, so she went home, told her parents everything, and. Uh, they were so intrigued that they bought me a plane ticket, flew me up to St. Louis, wow. and uh, I met her family. I was just very straightforward with them and saying that I was thinking about dating Chelsea, and they yeah. were 100% on board with that. So I asked Chelsea uh, to be my girlfriend, uh, to be oh, my wow. lady, uh, in Falls Park in St. Louis, and we were actually just there like a week ago, mm. um, just like revisiting old memories and stuff. But uh, So did that there. Then we dated long distance for the next 10 months from Illinois to Florida. So we would have to get on planes and all that good stuff or meet somewhere in the middle uh, to see each other. So we did that for 10 whole months, and that was rough. That was no easy oh, wow. uh, thing at all. And we were both still living with our parents at this point. So she was living um, with her family in St. Louis. I was living with mine in Florida. So at this point now, after 10 months of dating, we're now at about... Um, we're now at about the end of, I would say like August, August of 2017. And so September 1st, I packed my bags. I told my parents um, a few weeks in advance, packed my bags, said I'm moving to Atlanta, did it, moved in with a friend on the east side of Atlanta. Um, and that was really incredible, really forming time for me to just like be out of the house and be alone and um, not be relying on mom and dad anymore. So uh, did that and then Chelsea moved in January or excuse me uh, at the very end of December of that same year of 2017 she moved into a home with a few other girls up in Marietta and so at this time I was living over near Monroe um, which is way over off of I-20 on the east side of Atlanta so we were about 80 miles apart still mm. so we still have some distance there um, and then January of 18 which is just a month later uh, I moved up to uh, Marietta as well, and then we were only a few minutes apart. So, and then we just continued dating for another year, year and a half, and then uh, we got the opportunity to go to Israel with a yeah. fantastic company um, called Israel Collective. They took us over there and showed us the Holy Land, which was absolutely phenomenal. Um, October 10th of 2018, uh, we were on the Sea of Galilee. We went to the Mount of Beatitudes that day, all that good stuff. Uh, right there at the sea and uh, on the boat 
on the Sea of Galilee, I got to preach from the passage where Peter steps onto uh, the water um, going for Jesus, and uh, he slips. Everyone knows the whole story, but got to tell a little bit of that passage and how I'm just asking Christ to sustain me and uplift me from the times where I fall in this next season next season of my life. Now people were like, what, what next season? <laughs> um, they, at least they were acting that way, but everyone knew. And so I grabbed a ring box from my friend, grabbed Chelsea by the hand, pulled her out in front of like everybody, and uh, just hopped down on one knee That's and great. asked her. She said yes, praise. Um, and so just really, really sweet, awesome moment um, that I'll never forget as long as I live. Fast forward about six months, um, here about four months ago now, uh, we got married up in Chattanooga, Chattanooga Valley, to be more proper on the Georgia side. And uh, and so, yeah, we've just been doing life ever since, and, and that's our story. Man, that's great. Yep. And now y'all are at a point, which I think is so cool, y'all are hosting a podcast together called Encounter Now. Yes. And one thing I want to say about that, and then I want you to kind of talk about it just a little bit, but uh, the way – we were talking about this in the car, the way y'all – on the way to Moe's. On the way to Moe's. Which Mo's. is better than Chipotle. Come on, preach that. Plug it again. Told y'all he was preaching. What I like about that podcast is how you, you tackle topics together and how you you do it unapologetically. You do it knowing that people are going to come at you being like, well, y'all are so young. Or All the time. Y'all have been married this long, you know? Which, you know, it's so funny because I started when I was probably 17, 18 years old doing the whole ministry thing, and I heard the same stuff, you know? Um, now I think what you've done compared to what I did back then is phenomenal. What you've, <laughs> what you've done, is you're killing it. But, um, so I resonate in the whole, like, Oh, you're too young to know, but the way you tackle, you tackle topics on that podcast side by side with your best friend and Chelsea is, is really well done. Thanks, Ren. And I, I love this too. I've been listening to some of this. this well, is dude, phenomenal. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad you yeah. like it. Yeah. But I like to, cause you know, it's easy for me on here. I mean, like, you know, all things considered, I, I like I like when we have guests on because a lot of the times the guest helps drive the show anyway. But what you have to do every week or every episode is whatever that topic may be, I mean, you have to bring something home for us to, to take with us, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you, you guys tackled a, a very touchy topic, the one that you said I think has got your most... Yeah, it's Downloads. been the most listened episode. The whole... Uh, was uh-huh. it, is it called Sex Before Marriage? or uh, Something like that, Yeah. Really good, and the way you tackled it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna reiterate sure. what I said in the car. Go for it. But what what you said in that episode was that stuck out to me was something that's real, and what I because right now a lot of advice that is given out there is kind of this, you know, Jesus is all grace kind of mentality, and as you and I have talked about before, Jesus is two things, a hundred percent of two things, grace and truth, mm-hmm. and so you giving truth Word. in that episode was. Wherein you said you had made a mistake when you were a teenager, mm-hmm. and then when Chelsea kind of asked you, she said, "Well, were you were you a Christian when you made that mistake?" And you said, "No, I don't. I don't believe I was." And then you followed that up by saying, or "I think the question was asked, you know, well, is it good? Maybe it was a good thing. Like, would you have done it again? Because it led you to being with Chelsea. It led you to where you are now. Yes, hundred percent to some aspects. But right. your answer to that was." Heck no. I would Absolutely never do that not. again. Never. And what I like, you followed that up not by saying, shot. I don't think God wanted me to do that. Mm-hmm. I think God will use my stupidity to still lead me on past that. God is going to use whatever stupid decision I make, as stupid as it may be, for his own glory. 
Yeah. I mean, that's just a part of who he is, and that's a part of the redemptive character of God and, and his essence as, as to who he is. But uh, to, to have the audacity to say that I would intentionally do a stupid thing like that, like having sex before marriage, which is what that was. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Um, again, in hopes that you would be where you are. Right. Is just absolutely um, stupid. That's just a stupid line of thinking. I love that. Yeah, it's just dumb. Just don't don't think that way. Um, I think I clapped in my car when I heard that. <laughs> I was like, dude, Nick, there you go. So, That's what I need to hear. So this is what I think now. Um, after reading Romans chapter 8, which I would advise all of you to do, mm-hmm. um, God is going to work all things for the good of those who love him, mm. regardless of what it is. Now, that may sound very airy and fishy and like, man, whatever I go through, God is going to help me. All things are working for my favor. It yeah. doesn't matter what I do or what happens More to me. All things are going to work for my good. I'm going to go home and I'm going to cuss my mom out <laughs> right now. And all of it's going to work together for my good because God loves me. Yeah. Yes, he does love you. But um, God also reprimands stupidity. Mm. And God also reprimands sin. And uh, just going off of that analogy... How how can God be redemptive, but also yet say, honor your father and your mother? Mm. For the man who does so will lead to a long, prosperous life. So, okay, is there a contradiction here? Right. Or is or does God have one way of thinking that we just don't really like to follow because we're so narrow-minded? Yeah. Um, and so that's that's the situation that I got into as a young teenager. I was not a Christian, absolutely not a Christian. Um, but it was it was through that decision that I began my search and my my recognition for something bigger than myself for something that that could cleanse me something that could forgive me something that could be my all in all something that where i could have purpose yeah and again all that stuff will preach it will and it preaches good uh but what people don't really like to talk too much about is like those crushing moments um where like yes there is a promise yes there is a an outcome of victory there is 100 percent, but there's also a process of getting to that promise that a lot of people don't like to touch on so just for example and everyone knows these stories but i don't think we think through the dynamic as much as we should you you do obviously as you're a preacher as am i but um for some of you listening a lot of us may think that just because David was anointed king that he was like king immediately after like oh so like we'll send your you know, your kingship letter in the mail and you'll sign it and you'll be on your way. Like, that's not what happened at all. It was like another 20 years after David's anointing that he was, before he was king. And he had to spend all those years still in the shepherd's field. Mm. So I think we have to hold on to the promise inside of us that God is going to do something with us if we choose to follow him and if we choose to adhere to the process. Yeah. Um, But it's going to take time. And nobody wants to spend time anymore. Everyone wants to be a, a successful millionaire by the time they're 31. Yeah. And that's just not real life. Um, it's not. For some it is. For some. But for most, it's not a real life. And if we're measuring success off of humanistic variables like money, like fame, um, like what you drive, like where you live, like what part of town you live in, like those those are all fleeting and fading. Um, and so I would love to see us, you know, going back to the topic of the podcast, I would love to see us uh, have a more... Um, have a mindset that that follows along the line more of um, God is good and I know that even though I am 
you know, trying to be good necessarily. And like, you know, I give to charity. I, I help old ladies across the street, which no one does. <laughs> they just say that. Um, right. that, that somehow this makes me good. Well, let me ask you this. And let me ask you this. Um, say, say I pick up trash. I, I volunteer, um, for my local government, whatever. Um, I help out special education students at my school free of charge. Just want to help. Just want to mm-hmm. be of service. Um, does that does that make me a helpful citizen, a helpful good citizen of my community? Sure. Yes or no? Yes, yeah. I would agree. But say three years before that, I committed a heinous axe murder out in the woods, and no one ever found out. No one ever saw. I'm just I was able to you know cover it up and move past it. Now I decided I want to change my ways. Mm-hmm. And I want to be good, and I want to serve my community well. And so that's what I'm doing now. So should I still be punished for what I did, even though I'm doing all these good things now? Hmm. Should I be punished for that murder? I would, uh, yeah. Absolutely. I would think so, yeah. Absolutely. A good judge, regardless of all this like stuff that you're doing now, there is still justice to be had yeah. for that life that was taken. And so the argument when it comes around that, hey, I'm a good person. I don't, I don't need this like yeah church is fine but i'm a good person i give to charity i I pick up trash i serve my community i give to all these different places like i'm mm -mm. like i travel and i help the homeless and um i I bought that guy a burger on the side of the interstate like i'm i'm a good person i don't i don't know what you're talking about like you guys may be messed up but i'm not messed up Mm. but in god's eyes if you've done a single thing even taking the cookie out of the cookie jar when you were seven years old after your mom t- told you not to. Yeah. That is enough to separate you sin from is sin, God. Is sin, sin is, is sin. sin. It's is an archery sin. term. Yeah. It's missing the mark. And whether you miss the mark by an inch or by a mile, it doesn't oh, that's matter. That's a good word. The mark has been missed. Yeah. And, and because of God's perfect character, he cannot surround himself with anything but perfection. And so that is why, and, and the Israelites did the same thing in the Bible. They, they, God set a standard and the Israelites missed it over and over and over again. And we've done the same thing. That's, I think a lot of people don't understand why that is all in the scripture, yeah. but it's all foreshadowing of ourself. Right. We are Israel. We are the ones who are missing the mark. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned it earlier just in passing, um, but I thought it, it would be a good time to plug it. Um, you said you are not David, you know, referencing the Matt yes. Chandler sermon. Um, and a lot of people have this preconceived notion that like they're David and they're going to slay their Goliath yeah. by like God's strength and <laughs> nah, like just this big rah-rah moment. Yeah. Um, but what they don't want to realize and what they don't want to say is that that's Jesus down there slaying the giant. Yes, And I'm the you. scared little Israelite running off in the distance. We are the Israelites behind David. Being pooping, like, Get him. pooping my pants. Yeah, exactly. Yes, about this humongous dude that is going to like bump me up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So... Um, so I think until we get in this mindset of like, we are not it and like, we will be forgotten one day when we die. Mm. Um, like we are not the big show, but we're just pointing to the guy who is yes. the big show. The thing that happens with the story, I'm so glad you brought that up again. The The thing that happens with the story of David and Goliath. And I just, I just came off of a, a camp I spoke at where I said this and it, it, it's, it stuck with me. Like it hit me a few weeks ago and, and it was based off the Matt Chandler sermon that I heard. And, uh, what happens where people see that story, they misconstrued it and put, because what happens when you read a book, you put yourself as, in the narrative. Yeah. It's, and, and to be natural. fair, yeah, it's natural human nature. You do that with any other book. Yes. You want to be the hero of the mm-hmm. story. And it's, I mean, it's okay in some senses, but in this sense, that was not the contextual. But who is the central right. character, main theme of the Bible? 
Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Yes. The fall and redemption. I mean, that is a creation, fall, Mr. Redemption. Christ. Mr. Mr. Jesus. <laughs> Mr. Anointed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what it is. And so, really, David and Goliath is less of a story about a small guy killing a big man. It's about Jesus conquering whatever is in front of us. And, and we're behind him. Yes, and to take it, I mean, you know this. I'm not I'm not preaching to you, but to take it a step deeper, what is Goliath? What is Goliath foreshadowing? Yeah. He's foreshadowing what could not be defeated from any other human and yeah. could not be taken down any other way, which is sin and yeah. hell and the grave. Um and so Goliath is your defeat. The Goliath is what you deserve. Mm. Goliath is who you should have been in place fighting. I've never heard it um, preached like that, but I like it. Yeah. So um Goliath the whole time is foreshadowing hell it's foreshadowing the force of satan it's foreshadowing um sin and missing the mark and all the stuff that we're talking about my um case of of messing up before marriage before i met my wife but then this dude named david then this dude named jesus steps into the page of history and he takes the dude down with one shot he takes down sin hell and the grave with one cross and three nails Mm. and just ruins the day for for Mm. hell and the gates of hell and and i think again that's why um, I think that's why he says, Peter, you are my rock. You, you are the, you are the rock upon which I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. Mm. Um, and, and so we see this, we see these moments over and over again in scripture. I think of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, um, where yes, they're thrown into the furnace, but who's in the furnace with them? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, um, and, and I think that's a really good one, honestly, because Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego went into the fire Whoa, what is hell? Yeah. Hell is fire. Yeah. Hell is hot. That's why people say hot is hell. Um, so not to be like rude or anything, but Whoa. that's why. Yeah. Getting real here Relax. on the podcast. Um, and then Jesus steps in and pulls them right out. And it's there's all these foreshadowing moments that I think we miss in Scripture because we're looking to find ourselves in the narrative, but the narrative was never about us. That's right. So that's exactly. I right. think if you, I think if you get someone told me this, um, they said if you can't find Jesus in a passage of Scripture, you're not ready to preach it. Absolutely, you are not ready to preach that passage. Um, and I think until a lot of us get into the the mindset of how do I find Jesus or where is Jesus in this passage in the Scripture. Um, I think we're missing it. If we're if we're finding ourselves all over the place and like, I am the anointed one. I am the I am the triumphant you know leader of this whatever. Um, I I think we're just missing it. And I mean, I could get into all these little nuances all day. Oh sure. The word Christ means simply just means anointed. Mm. That's all it means. And we're sitting here saying David was the uh, in, in the in the story. David was foreshadowing Christ, but David was anointed by mm, Samuel. Right. So and and Christ is the anointed one, but Christ is ex- like exactly what we just said. He is the one in the story that's taken down Goliath. So, I don't know. Just all these things I could I could go into. That's so good. For days, but You uh, know what I like too about the story yeah. of David and Goliath is the you know, cuz there's nothing wrong with like making it this artistic kind of beautiful cartoon to right. teach little kids about. Yes. Which is great. Should be familiar with it. Yeah. Absolutely. I just think it's funny like right before that like cool story takes place, David straight up threatens Goliath which is because he's just fed up yeah and he says one of my favorite parts of scripture is when David says you brought a spear you brought armor you have that shield you have all this stuff he says God has me and then he, the next thing he says is I'm going to cut off your head and I'm going to feed your army to the birds that's what he David said that this is savage I mean it was amazing I feel like it's what Jesus says to like Satan too yeah it's like try me 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was it was very yeah. savage. That's the perfect yeah. way to describe it. It was really good. Anyway, we could probably preach back and forth. Oh, man, we could time. all day. We're probably boring people, though, with all our little preacher yeah, no. nuances. I hope this adds value to somebody. I hope but it so. Was, I, I love that story and how it correlates with what we're doing. So anyway, um, let's change gears again. So you've been preaching all over the place. But not only that, and I know you're going to love talking about this because uh, – and by that, I mean you're not. But uh, <laughs> you have a great following on Instagram, on social media. What's there? He's ro- he rolled his eyes. You can't see it. He rolled his eyes. But I want to know, I mean, because it's a perspective a lot of people won't have. Sure. But you're you're coming at a really from a platform that most people will never experience. So what is a good way that you're using that platform? What are some things you've seen? What are some negative things you've seen in that platform? Yeah. Um well, let's start with the bad, and then we'll end on the good. That's perfect. So that way we end on a high note, um, at least for this topic. Um, and I've got all the time in the world. So, yeah, we'll just we'll leave that there. Um, so some of the bad things I've seen, and this is all pretty common knowledge, whether you have 10 followers or 10 million, uh, is that there is there's a few things. One, there's comparison. And two, there is a high, um, there's this like high driving, I don't know, um, It's like people are going after followers. Mm -hmm. Like they just want followers. And my question is, is why? Why do you want followers? For what? For Mm -hmm. what reason? Um, And I always get these like mixed up answers from people when I ask that question because that is a very like cut down through the flesh. Let's get to it. Yeah. What is your motive? Mm Mm-hmm. And that's what I ask just about anybody who says, like, who says, I'm trying to work on my platform, I'm trying to build my platform, blah, 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 platform, 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 yada, yada. Um, what is your motive for having that platform? Well, I want to help people. Okay. Why do you want to help people? Help people with what? Oh, I want to raise awareness. Okay. No, no, no. Why? For what reason? Like, and, but most of it, it normally boils down to this. I want to be seen and I want to be recognized well, and I want yeah. people to know who I am and know my name. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just pride. Yeah. And I think that's in a lot of us. I mean, it was in me, you know, and, and to say that I am past that is not true. Um, I still have days where I deal with like, man, I, man, I wish, I wish like I had more visibility. You know what I mean? True. I think that's a natural human thing. Um, to think that fame is like deserving, like one deserves fame. Um, and I think it's also a bit more accessible now that we're in an age where you can be famous off your iPhone. Yeah. If you do things the right way. Whereas like 55, 60 years ago in, in, in the modern world. And at that time you had to create blockbuster movies. You had to be in Hollywood. You had to do all that. You had to be president Bro, or, like 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So not long ago at all. Um, not at all long ago. Uh, things were so much different, but now it's so accessible. You know, you were telling me um, before that uh, someone you know here locally was famous on a platform. Um, that seems a little bit, you know, um, childish, I guess, sure. or, or a little bit adolescent uh, to some. But nonetheless, I mean, here in a smaller town and the outskirts of Atlanta, someone's famous off of a platform that they have on a phone, just an app. Yeah. Um, and that creates stardom. And so I think a, a lot of it is the fact that it's been so accessible. Uh, and so people think that they don't have to do anything, you know, magnificent, just as long as it's accessible and as long as it's near and as long as I can see it and do things to go towards it, then I can, I can achieve that too. Right. So we see, we see a lot of stuff like follow and unfollow. No, asking, I hate that. Asking for shout outs. Um, not, not to discredit anyone 
Um, but I can kind of just see through some of the motives of like, you know, getting on Twitter and some of it's genuine, some of it's not. Um, but getting on Twitter and putting a whole list of people that you're so thankful for, mm. um, only to get them to comment back on your thread so that, you know, you can be associated with knowing those people, sure. knowing those people, sure, yeah. you know, air quotes. Um, and then people will like you more for that and then follow you. It's, it's like hitchhiking followers is right. kind of what it's called. Um, so I think that's kind of silly too. Now, again, some of it's, some of it's really honest and some yeah, friends yeah. I have that, you know, do that sometimes and I'll do it sometimes. Um, it's like, I'm really taking away a lot of value from this person. Mm-hmm. And I think that other people could take value from this person as well. So you should follow them. I think if I could just real quick, sure. I, I think what I like on uh, Twitter, so I have a newfound perspective on social media right now. It's that um, when I first, not even at first, really for the majority of the time I've had social media, it was really all about what can I get from social media and how is it that, how is my post impacting someone in a way, not even positive, just like how am I getting, how am I getting notoriety for this? Sure. Yeah. And now I'm at a point within the last about two years or so, uh, I'm all about really just connecting and trying to see where people can, can add value to what I'm doing. So like, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but basically I like now I'm following people that I think are the words they're or whatever it is they're expressing is actually motivating me to keep going. So like if I see that someone that I follow is doing really well at something, it's going to motivate me to do well, whatever it is that I'm doing. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. You want to follow energy. Energy, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what yeah. I'm trying to say. I, I mean, and in essence, that's what social media is. It's a big energy source. Mm-hmm. So you get on this energy source and you're either having energy taken from you or you're having energy given to you. Mm-hmm. I want to be the guy that gives energy to other people so that they can go give energy to someone else. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, whereas you see some people posting like the self-pity and you know all this stuff and you have to, you almost feel an obligation to, to fix an issue. And that's not why people like people don't follow other people like that. And, yeah. and if you're wanting a quick follower tip, there's one right there. Don't be an energy uh, taker. Be an energy giver. That's great. And that I'm telling you. And honestly, I don't really kind of I don't care what kind of energy you're giving. If you're giving as long as it's positive in some way, shape or form, yeah. whether you are a Buddhist and you're promoting yoga and all the you know benefits of it. Hey, that's great. I don't do your thing. Um, or if you're a preacher. And you're just, you know, promoting the name of Christ and how he fills you up. And you're taking that energy um, that you receive from the Bible and then putting it on your platform to give to someone else so that they can give it to someone else. More power to you. That's 100% fine. Or if you're a workout guru and you just love working out and you want to spread the benefits and all how working out has changed your life. Do that. Like whatever you want to do, just be an energy giver. Don't be an energy taker. Yeah. Because people people don't like to be around those kinds of people. That's good. That's, that's the kind of perspective I want to hear because yeah. – um, a lot of people, I mean, I was one of those where I thought I'm supposed to just receive it and, and that's it. And never give it. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then I would post, people. I would post for my benefit basically right. is what I was doing. And now I'm just, I have a whole new mentality now where the more people I get to know when I'm on the road or uh, just in life, mm-hmm. I realize what people need is this kind of vibe, this kind of energy. Yes. Above all else, they need Jesus, obviously. And we could Jesus. Yes. He's the source. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's without saying but it's yeah. really cool to see you know like when i see man you posted something i brought it up and i haven't closed my phone yet so <laughs> i didn't want to forget but you posted this uh back on june 14th okay and I, I remember tweeting at you about it after because it was it was real good it was this long thing about 
um, how you, you scroll through Instagram and you see like another perfect post and uh, talking about how people like see pictures of like you and Chelsea or like um, when you see like a couple like holding hands in a meadow, you know, like right. whatever it may be. Yeah. But your last sentence, and this is what I loved, and if you ever write a book, my suggestion is just like end the book with this sentence. Ooh, okay. Okay. I'm going to write this so, down. <laughs> chase Jesus Christ with all your might and never look back, period. 100%. I was like, bro, that's really it. That's it. I mean, and then this, when that's all you do, and we've talked about this before, uh, I heard Charles Stanley say uh, a quote once at one of his recordings at In Touch mm-hmm. Studios. He said, um, follow God with everything you have and leave the consequences to him. That is it. And yeah, I was like, that's Dang. better than what I said. But it's the same thing. I mean, it's it's perfect. Sure. Yeah. So um, it just sounds so much more like poetic and because well, it's Charles yeah. Stanley. I mean, yeah. Of what course. Do you do? Yeah. So one of the goats. Yeah. But it's really good, man. I I, I like the way your platform is more than just okay. Now I've got twenty thousand followers on Instagram because you could honestly every day you could post a picture of you and Chelsea and it would blow up every single day, or you could post. I don't have uh, enough photos in the world to do that. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Yeah. I know what you mean. But then, I mean, you could also post, I mean, you could post anything. You have full direction over how you affect who, it, because out of 20,000 people, there's no way you can never tell me that out of 20,000 people, there's not one person that genuinely is like, whatever Nick says, I am in on, right? So if Nick says, all right, um, I hate Christianity now, like I hate Jesus and I'm moving away from that. You can't tell me out of 20,000 people, there wouldn't be at least 5% of them that would follow you into doing that, mm-hmm. you know? So what I like is how you you use it in this, like, I, I am trying to give energy, this positive energy to people so that it can affect positive change in whoever right. is listening. Yes. Um, a personal conviction I have is that change does not come without truth. Mm. And so especially the past, I would say, two years of my life, um, I've just had to become, I've just had to become um, unapologetically truthful, in in the way that I speak, in the way that I talk, in the way that I give sermons, in the way that I write, whether that's a blog or an Instagram post. I have to be very uh, transparent and very uh, upfront with people, uh, just because there's something in me. I don't know what it is, and I don't know why God gave it to me. But there is something that just burns within me fiercely um, about other people, other leaders in particular, who just try to to make people feel good um, mm. with with lies, with things that are so just cookie cutter or soft or like life change doesn't come like that. Yeah, it just doesn't. I mean, Jesus walked right up to a couple homies and said, "Hey, drop it all and follow me." Yeah. Just do it. There is no time for debate. There is no time to sit around and pray about it. I'm here, and I'm telling you this is what to, this is what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. Are you going to do it? Are you? And so I wrote a caption yesterday. I probably spent an hour doing it and revising it. It. it was um, so good. And, just because it's, and the only reason I want to bring this up is just because it's fresh on my heart. Um but your your victory, you know, you hear a lot about your victory and your destiny and your purpose and your yeah. God's plan and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, and that's all fine and great. And I say all those words a lot, especially when I preach. Um, but what you don't hear a lot is that it requires obedience first. Mm. Obedience is not 
um, something you do after God delivers you. It is something you do before God delivers you. Oh, wow. And this is all woven through scripture. This is, this is Abraham and Isaac. This is Joshua and the Israelites. This is Moses and the Israelites. I mean, this is over and over. This is uh, Peter at the very end of his life. And the angel comes to him and sa- he, the angel says to him, get up. The scripture says, it says, get up, Peter, or some versions may say that, but sure. in essence says, get up, stand to your feet yeah. while Peter is in chains. But then as soon as Peter stood up, his chains fell off. Now, normally, if someone's like busting you out of jail, normally you'll, the door will fly open yeah. and you'll say, come on, you know, like, let's go. We got to hurry. But it was first, hey, stand to your feet. And then the door opened and you have to have faith that God's going to open that door or that God's going to provide a ram in the thicket, which also foreshadows to Christ. Um, even though even though I just imagine in the story, Abraham has the, the dagger or the knife or the whatever raised above his head. And I mean, he is about to slam it down into Isaac, his own son's chest. And in that moment, God provides because he knew that Abraham had the faith yeah. to follow up. Um, same thing with Joshua. Joshua, how dumb... Would it feel to march millions of people around city walls for a week straight? Yep. And I, dude, I was about to bring that up. Like dude. these people are probably just like, "What in the world is this guy?" And on? you can't talk. No. What in the world is this guy smoking? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and sure enough, on the seventh day, they march around seven times. I mean, this is a bunch of times they're going around this thing. March around it seven times on the last day. Sure enough, the walls come down. And the city is theirs. Um, so I think God wants to see our faith before he wants to see our obedience yeah. really that's what it really is yeah. we say faith we say faith to to not sound so harsh but really it's your obedience god wants to see you move god wants to see you act on, on what he's asking of you um before he delivers you well the purpose of faith is so much larger than what a lot of people use it as so i was, i ask this question at a lot of places i speak at but i always ask the question what is the opposite of faith mm-hmm. and the answer i get nine times out of ten is doubt they say the opposite of faith is doubt, which is incorrect. The opposite of faith is knowing. Mm-hmm. Because what is my faith for? My faith is for the doubt. Mm-hmm. And so obviously if God is telling me, or if like there's a man named Joshua, and Joshua is telling the rest of us, he's relaying Jesus' message and or God's message to them, and he's like, hey, we're supposed to walk around these walls once a day for six days on the seventh day, seven times. And on the seventh time, we got to yell at the wall. Mm-hmm. And we shout. can't talk. Yeah, yeah. you got to shout. And so then a lot of people are like, so it's an action-reaction, right? They shout, what happened? The walls fell. But that's not what happened. What God first said is walk around the wall. Mm-hmm. So the power wasn't necessarily in the shout. The power was came from those steps mm-hmm. that they had to take. And so when they took the steps. Oh, that's good. Literally, the power came from the steps. The steps. God released yeah. them to shout. Yeah. And then they had a breakthrough, right? They mm-hmm. left their bondage. They encountered a barrier. And now they have a breakthrough because they were obedient to God. Their mm-hmm. faith came into the doubt, yeah. stretched and made them all stronger. Right. And even after that, even after they took on the next city, which is, I believe it's pronounced I, I think it's, I think it's so, just yeah. like AI. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not um, I think it's just I, but you read that story and they had to go through so many challenges, mm-hmm. tons of challenges. Like something, a few thousand people were killed on the first like go around of trying to capture the city. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. They don't mm-hmm. want to hear like, oh, people are going to die. It's going to be hard. You're going to have to develop strategy. And that's exactly what they did. They went yeah. back, developed a strategy, took way more people the next time. And, and they pretty much went towards the city. All the guards came flying out, and then people on the other side of the city came in and and just overtook the city. While so it's just this big crazy story of like 
um, capturing cities and 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 really uh, taking back the land that that God had promised them. Um, it's just this big story of faithfulness to to Jesus and and to who He is. But um, but at man, the end of the day, honestly, dude, like faith the, is hard. Faith is hard. Yeah. And the central theme, if like if everything's about Jesus, but it all comes back to every character in the Bible. The reason they become a character in the Bible is because of the faith they had to have, mm-hmm. the obedience they had to have, or the obedience that they didn't, didn't have. have. I was going to say that, yeah. And, I mean, like Zacchaeus, or yeah. not even Zacchaeus, that's the, the faith he ended up having. I'm, uh, all, I mean, you could go on and on. All these characters in the Bible, um, Jonah and the fish yes. is one of my favorite ones because God used, because you were talking about God will use my stupidity as well. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I should be stupid. Mm-hmm. But God even used his disobedience to reach the people on the boat yep. that threw him into the water. Yep. And I'll tell you this God got a hold of him. He got his attention yeah. after after uh, after that whole ordeal. I oh, mean, yeah. and, and it's so fun. Like, just do what God says. Like, because one way or another, it's going to happen, whether it's through you or through someone else. And I'll tell you this. It is the pleasure of one's life to serve Jesus with their whole heart. Mm. It is. It should be the pleasure. It should be the prime goal. Um, and I say that because I guess I've experienced it, and I'm living it. I'm living in it right now. It's just. It's this hard, tough, um, unsure season that is just so full of reward and so full of, of. Um, just to to get to be a part of God's story is just the coolest thing in the world. There's really no words for it. And that's why I'm having such a hard time coming up with words because there's nothing like it. There is nothing like it. Yeah. Um, And I think people just need to hear that. I think they need to know that, you know, when you give your life to Christ, when you give yourself over to him, um, it's not this like big, it's not this big moment of like, you know, doves falling out of the sky and, Mm. Um, you know, you getting some fresh wind of just rurah, yeah, yeah, just the Holy Ghost, you yeah. know, nothing, um, <laughs> nothing, nothing like that. But God slowly, day by day, transforms you into being more like Him, mm. and that's the beauty. Yeah, the beauty is not you. Hey, you're perfect in a moment. The 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 beauty is, hey, I'm going to go on this journey with you, and I'm going to make you like me. I'm going to show you my persistence. I'm going to show you, um, my continual day by day assurance of love. And, and provision for you. Um, and I, I don't think there's really a better form of love than consistency. I think when you're consistent, no matter what, that just shows how much you care deeply for someone. And I think that's one of the greatest qualities of Jesus himself that we don't talk about enough is just his consistency. His mercy is new every morning. Mm. Just think about that. You know, his mercy is new every morning. He provided manna for 40 years straight for people wandering out in the desert who had no clue. There's mm. no idea. So God is patient with us, but he's also consistent with us. You know, so. consistency has become like a theme for season two of Your Story Matters. I mean, like we even, when we had um, we had uh, Timothy Miller on here from the Atlanta Braves, and we were talking about professionalism and how how is it that every single, because he doesn't only sing at Braves games. This guy sings in operas. I mean, this he sings all over the place, all over the country. He sings on commercials. And my question was, how is it that if you do something so often, and what I like is that he really related back to preaching, you know, but he, I asked him, how do you do this so often that you don't get to a point where you're just a little bit apathetic? Because every time you nail it, even if you don't feel good, like you nail it. So what is that? And he said, there is consistency matters in everything you do. So what separates a professional from someone that's just trying something 
is the consistency in it. You got to keep going, keep going, keep going, even through the hard ones, even through the the rough the rough days, the rough patches, the rough seasons, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it all comes back to one constant consistency is that's Jesus. Mm-hmm. He can consistently stays consistent mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that veers away every time. And he is the one that consistently steers you back. That's right. That's exactly right. That's really good, dude. Yep. Nick, one last question. Hit me. We're going we're gonna to do some plugging, and then <laughs> we're going to get out of here. Um, what is one way, and you've kind of already answered this question in nine different ways, and that's what I love about you, your honesty. Uh, but what is one way you want your story to help someone, to add value to someone's life? Oh, man. Oh, man, I could sit here for a year straight and answer this question. Um, I think I want my story, I think how necessarily I want my story to add value to someone is to know that it's okay to not be where you want to end up. And it's okay to be going through the process. Um, So we we talked a bit about the promise on the other side. But there is a process, and it's okay if you're in that process. I, I was listening to something on the way here that really inspired me. Um, you go to church a lot, and you hear your pastor speak about you know your breakthrough and your provision and um, how God's going to, to do something miraculous. Mm-hmm. But then you go home or you go back into your life, and it doesn't seem that way. It doesn't feel that way, and you're not seeing what the pastor is talking about. So there's a disconnect. Mm-hmm. Either the pastor is lying or either the pastor is not being truthful about this whole God thing or I am doing something wrong. But what we don't like to say is that there is a long, long process to get to that promise. It is not just an overnight thing. And I'm living in the middle of that process right now. Life is not easy. Um, And, you know, it's funny how people just associate your followers with like ease or Mm. they associate followers with wealth. I mean, that's not the case at all. So, I'm in the middle of that process right now, you know, kind of plugging a little bit prematurely before, um, you know, you take over. Uh, I'm, I'm a speaker. I'm an evangelist, but I also work a part-time job for another ministry here in Atlanta. I work part-time for our podcast network. Um, I'm in the middle of building a not, not even in the middle. I'm in the beginning stages of building a nonprofit. And this is like, all of this stuff is being paid for from money that I've, I've made by working. Mm -hmm. Um, like this stuff just doesn't fall out of the sky. Like people just don't write me 5,000 or 1,000 or $300 checks. Like that just doesn't happen. So it's okay if you're in the process. I just want to personally encourage you to keep going and to not look for the quick answer for the, for the high road out. Uh, because there is nothing inspiring about a story uh, where, where you say, yeah, man, I was 20. My wife and I, man, we started with everything. We had millions of dollars, mm. had the biggest house, had an Audi A5 sitting in the driveway. Mm. Um, man, we were loaded, and we're loaded now, and that's our story. And that's it. People love to hear stories like Bill Gates. You know, where, man, I started Microsoft in a garage in the yeah. desert with nothing, yep. nothing. I had only had my brain, some paper, and a couple of little networks I put together, and that's it, and that's all I had, and this this is where we are today. $85 billion later. People like stories like that or like stories like Gary Vee, an immigrant with nothing, sold baseball cards in malls his whole childhood to make money just because he loved it and he was obsessed with it. And that was his process of grinding. He worked in a, in a liquor store for his father 
for like two decades almost. And, and people today have lost, I think, a sense of that process. And I think that's why it's such a heavy topic is because there's so many who still understand that there is a process and that we don't deserve anything, but it's to be worked for. And so if you're in the middle of trying to work for that, just keep going. Just keep working. Keep putting your head down every single day and, and just trust that God will be faithful. Just like we talked about here um, on this podcast, there was a 20-year gap between David's anointing and his stepping into the kingdom. Yeah. Um, and he also had to learn how to play instruments, and that's what eventually got him into um, the palace. So there is work to be done. There is time to be spent. There is formative moments to be had. And this is the best part, is that those moments that you spend – forming are the very things that are going to keep you in the promise once you finally arrive. They're, they're going to be the things that uphold you and sustain you. Um, I mean, you, you read about it all the time, different ministers who, who just fall out. They just have a falling out because um, their platform grew larger than their, their character could sustain. And, and it shows and it, and it cracks and it weakens and eventually it just falls. And so don't be that person. Take these moments of, of character development. Take these moments of, of building and growing and, and being obscure where no one sees you um, very, very importantly. Just to be honest with you, um, I don't know if any of you listen to my podcast, but on our podcast, I, I talk a little bit in our early episodes about how I grew up for all my life farming where I wasn't seen. No one knew who I was. I was not official Nick H. I was not a preacher. None of that. Um, I was just some farm kid pulling weeds or driving a tractor and spraying plants and stuff like that. And uh, while also helping my parents with their flooring company. So I would set hardwood floors and tile and be in these obscure construction sites and no one, no one knew who I was. And, and I'm so glad because God really, really formed uh, me and my character and my work ethic in those seasons and in that time. So um, that's, that's one of the things that I'm most thankful for today. So that's my encouragement. Be, be consistent, be persistent, and don't take these times that you're in, even if they hurt and even if they suck, for lack of a better term, for granted, because they're going to be what keeps you, keeps you sustained. Man, that's good. That was so good. Normally I get like a two-word answer. And that was like, <laughs> this is what I like about Nick, y'all, is that he is honest to a fault and um, too honest. No, man, it's good. It's, I mean, I know for me, it's what I need. I'm like, I'm sick of kind of the man, mamby pamby kind of preaching that's going on out there. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of both. There is a lot. There's, there's the truth church where it's all truth, no grace. And then there's the grace church where it's all grace, yeah. no truth. So I like this kind of, this sense of, no, 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 we, there's going to be both because Jesus gave us an example of both. He is both. He is both. Who oh, he is, is both. gracious, yes. and Lord Almighty. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah. um, absolutely. And so that's why I like Nick. I know you will like Nick. I don't know if you're a pastor out there. I know we have a few of you pastors out there that listen. So make sure if you haven't yet, have Nick at your event. You won't be sorry. I promise. Um, Nick, how can people connect with you? Oh man, in a few different ways. So you can find me on any and all social media at official Nick H. It's a O F F I C I A L N I C K H. Um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. You can connect with me there. I also have a website. You can go to nickhurst.org and find me there. Find a little bit about who I am and what I do. And then uh, we also have a, a speaking agency that takes care of like bookings and stuff like that. Um, the MI agency, but feel free to go on my website or on any of my social medias um, and you can find out a little bit more about them. So I would love to hear from any of you guys. 
Yeah, guys, connect with them. You won't be sorry. Follow them on Instagram, all that stuff. Don't forget, if you haven't already, follow us on Instagram at YSM Podcasts. And uh, you can find us on Facebook. Look for the little yellow story logo. Don't miss it. Make sure you are kept up to date. Y'all, season two is just just up there. Okay, so I hope you are loving these episodes. But don't forget to rate this episode five star. Don't forget your story really does matter. Nick, thanks so much for being on. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you.